Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, transformational coach, Tambry Harris. What you drinking? I love your passion for emotional intelligence, and, and I share that with you. And you know this idea of your invisible board of directors—you got some pretty heavy hitters on your board of directors. Folks have heard me talk about Daniel Goleman. He's kind of the father of emotional intelligence. Folks may not have heard about Shirzad Shermain. I'm a big fan, but talk a little bit about Shirzad Shermain's work and why we enjoy that so. Yeah. So the book, um, the concept is positive intelligence and and what he really helps us become aware of. And in the past, we call we, we, we would call it derailers sometimes, you know, the things that derail us. He calls them saboteurs. But there are those things that kind of get in our way of being our best selves. And they were created out of survival. So something happened, and this is how we learn to survive in the world. This is how we learn to be successful. And so some folks creating a sense of control is how they navigated the world. And so to let go of that is just huge, but it also gets in your way because you're not letting others grow. You're not letting others build capacity, that type of thing. And so he talks about the fact that we have to really become aware of what are our saboteurs. And I will tell you, one of mine is the judge. The judge will just jump in your head and start criticizing something you did or something you said, and it gets you all spun up. Nobody else probably even noticed it, you know, and but you're <laughs> kind of derailing yourself because you're in your head about it. And so, A, I, I really like the idea. And, and another thing you and I have talked about before is the use of breath and the slowing down that breath can can do for you. And so kind of slowing yourself down in the moment, taking a breath and recognizing, okay, there I go again. And the ability, and again, this is why I, he, he's one of those really smart people that does regression analysis and can, you know, do all the neurobiological analyses, but you can reprogram those pathways. And so he has kind of a, an approach to how we reprogram so that we move from going to that judgment mode when things happen to then instead do, tapping into what he calls your sage which is that that wise person within you and say, you know what, this is an opportunity. Let's not be going to that judging place. Let's see this as an opportunity. Let's see this as growth. Let's see this as something broader. So I just, I and so as you can tell, it kind of taps back into psychology, right? And so it just comes back to a core love of mine. But I just love that you know, people keep taking beautiful concepts and, and moving them forward into a very applied, practical application. Uh, I love it. On, on the surface, most of the saboteurs, most of someone's saboteurs, to your point, they come from a good place. They come from a good place. And very often when you mention them or when you read it initially, you think, oh, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, discernment is pretty important. I mean, you call it judge. I call it discernment. That's valuable to have. But the challenge is 
when it goes too far, when it starts compromising your ability to show up as who you are, I'll tell you what one of my uh, key saboteurs is hyperachiever. Again, on the surface, what's wrong with achievement, right? Of course, we're here to do a good job. We're here to make things happen. But that becomes problematic when I start comparing other people to what I know I could do. And when I start trying to accomplish by way of adding value and when it gets in the way of who I could be as a leader, that becomes a problem. Hearing you talk about Shazad Sherbine's work reminds me of another author, Viktor Frankl. And this is a, a quote that many of us coaches really kind of hang our profession on. He says, I'm going to read the whole thing. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And here's a part everything everyone kind of focuses in on. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So just this idea of there being a space between stimulus and response, and oftentimes that space seems so small, we think, well, I, I got to respond, right? I, I've, you know, I've got to handle this. I can't just let people talk to me any old kind of way. I got, I got to respond, right? But what Viktor Frankl suggests is, well, no, you, you, you don't have to respond. You've got the power to choose your response. And in that space is, is actually your freedom. So, so talk a little bit about some of the things that we can do or that you do or that you encourage your, your clients to do to increase that space so they have the ability to choose the response that they would like to take. And you talked a little bit about breathing, but are there some other things that you can, that we can do to increase the space between stimulus and response? Yes. Yes. And, you know, earlier I mentioned the fact that I live from my, my neck up and my head, and we've got this whole body that's attached to us that has so much information to give us. And so when we, when I hear the thing about the stimulus and the response, I love the word being curious, you know, move into your curiosity. And so where is that kind of hitting me? You know, why is it that I'm wanting to react? So the, the choice is, and we can just react, which is the immediate piece, or I can choose your response. And so why is that getting to me? What is that about? And as you're processing that, then that helps you better choose back to discernment. That's what helps you better choose your response. And, and the value of breath is it, A, it just kind of slows you down. I mean, just by actually just kind of inhaling and exhaling. And there's actually a physiological reaction that happens when you breathe three times deeply. It truly has an effect on your body so that you don't have that charged energy of, no, I've got to respond right now. Um, so it just kind of helps you. And, and to be honest, that's why a lot of people practice meditation so that they can, they have this as a practice of theirs. And when something happens, then they can kind of, they, they've honed their body to how to get in tune with 
what's going on. And so it's, um, so I, I just love, and, and it's truly a practice. I talk about the fact that it's just like, if you're learning baseball or you're learning to play the violin, it is nothing that you're going to immediately be able to do, but over time it becomes a part of you. So I think that part of it is really, truly being curious about that. And the other thing that's kind of a practice is this, the self-work that we do, the self-reflection we do outside of that moment. So if we've already kind of raised awareness in ourselves around, okay, I tend to be a perfectionist. I tend to be a hyperachiever. I tend to have that judging voice that might cause me to react in a way that I, it's not how I want to show up. I've already done some of that reflection. We can pull in that, in, that wisdom and that self-knowledge into that moment and say, okay, it, there it is again, or <laughs> whatever, you know, however you want to respond. But um, those are the first things that come up for me when I hear that question. Wow. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, I want, I'd love for you to help me debunk a, a misconception that's out there. Here, here's the misconception that I've heard a couple of times. Well, well Galen, of course, you, you know, of course you can do this because you don't have any problems. You guys learn this stuff. You're professional. Tambry's got a degree in psychology. Of course, she never struggles with this stuff. Of course, she can sit on her perch and talk about how important it is and how easy it is to do this because you guys never, ever have problems that you've got to contend with. I've got real problems that really need attention. Help me break that down and tear that apart. Oh boy, that that's going to be our next half hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I be, I believe that probably all of us have had some form of adversity in our lives. I mean, it just is, and and it looks different for different people, and and a lot of times, you know, the the platitudes of you know let the past be the past. That just kind of pushes it down. It doesn't get rid of it. And that was when I was talking earlier about living in my head, that was me effectively pushing down what I call the woundedness, you know, the stuff that you really can get triggered by or whatever. And so truly for me, I didn't um, become person that I am until I did that self-reflection and really started because, and that's what I can also bring to the table for others because I have, I've done the work. I've looked at that and it's not a, a simple, um, simple piece. I mean, it's definitely kind of being curious. And I think it's so important. You're getting into a real big passion part of mine, because to me, we make choices based on the things we believe about ourselves and about others. And my wounding happened very young and it led me to believe that I am not worthy, mm. which I will tell you a lot of people I work with, if they get honest, if we get real, we go there. And so out of that sense of unworthiness, comes this little perfectionist who's going to be the hyperachiever so that I am worthy because look at all that I'm doing. Yeah. And, and it works until it doesn't. But then I will say, and this is, again, another heart piece of mine, is that it led me to marry badly because I didn't feel worth being treated well. And so so it's the, this kind of stuff. I mean, back to you're not just a work person. You're, it's the whole you. I mean, this kind of self reflection and really looking at what's at the root of some of these things, this this kind of helps you be a whole person in all aspects of your life. And until I healed that part of me, I couldn't truly live a full life authentically 
and as, and as well be as relatable to people in the coaching that I do. We all have a tendency to want to ignore things really get to us. I think humans, more so than any other species on the planet, humans have the ability to fool themselves. I had a situation when I was in corporate America where very stressful things going on, very, very tough, critical decisions that I felt like I had to make relative to, you know, my own career and my family's well-being. And I thought got really good at putting on a front putting up this facade that nothing bothers me, right? I'm, I'm the plastic man, nothing can get to me. And my body is the a snitch that revealed, Galen, that, that's a bunch of hooey, <laughs> you're stressed. <laughs> and until I was able to acknowledge that mentally, I couldn't deal with it. And I just, again, I, I was starting to make some poor choices affecting my health negatively Although I was saying to everyone, I'm okay and I'm all right. How frequent is it that we tend to fool ourselves? <laughs> our brain tells us these things and we coach our brain. To, you know, we, it's, it's reinforcing, right? Because we want to believe I am capable. I am competent. I can deal with this. And so it's all, it's all good. And our body is our truth teller to your point. And there's actually a book, if you want to get into the neuroscience of it, calls The Body Keeps the Score. And it talks about the fact that, yeah, it, this, this denial piece does no one any good. And it, and not only does it create, you know, again, just the, the stress in our shoulders and the back aches and, and these kind of things, it also, there's um, studies that show that it increases the likelihood of heart attack and heart disease and cancer. And I mean, long-term things. And so to me, that is the, oh gosh, if you need a, a case for change, <laughs> it's like, okay, your long-term health, you, I mean, short-term obviously, but also long-term health, you need to really get honest and, and kind of integrate both, both pieces. I would say most people, that's the case. Yeah. You know, I, I love the, the body keeps score. Definitely one that I believe everyone should check out. Another book that I've gotten into recently is called The Myth of Normal. And the subtitle is Trauma, Illness, and Healing in a Toxic Culture. And what the author suggests is that we as individuals and as a society, we will take trauma and rather than call it trauma, we will just say, oh, well, that's, that's just the way things are right? That's just the way things are. And then we will applaud ourselves for making nominal improvements in these areas of trauma rather than trying to deal with the trauma. And the example that I saw that captured my imagination is um, because he's Canadian. So he's, he's, he's writing stories about the United States and he'll say, you know, Hey, look, well, you know, you guys will have a violent crime rate in an area of 15%, right? And then you will reduce that violent crime rate to 10% and then applaud yourself for the, for the improvement. But think about it, that 10%, <laughs> that's not normal. <laughs> that's not normal. And we'll do things like we will have uh, persistent headaches and then we'll take 
you know, Tylenol or, or Aleve or whatever the medicine of choice is and, and uh, calm down our headaches. But we, we won't take time to realize what's causing the headache. It's not normal to have headaches. That's not a normal thing. That's our body trying to tell us there's some sort of trauma, there's some sort of toxicity in our body that instead of dealing with, we medicate and then applaud ourselves or be satisfied with with nominal improvement. So that has captured my imagination even more so than the body keeps the score. Well, you know, when you were describing that, I thought, okay, with the with the medication, you're masking the symptoms, right? And so many times we also mask reality. And so everybody looks like they've got it together and they're good. And meanwhile, the reality is, and I think that's one of the hard things about you know, people who are dealing with with you know trauma or difficulty, they think they're the only one. And, you know, and it's like, if we can all be a little more authentic and open and real about what we've been through, people will see, yeah, it's not exactly the same, but there's, there's a, there's a kindredness and an understanding around what healing is possible and what the hurt has done for us. And so, yeah, the isol trying to um, get away from all the isolation happens. And that is cultural to your point. Yeah, we, we to your point, we have we have this we have this expectation that we're the only one, and that we can handle it by ourselves. When in reality, we we are a social being. We are social beings. I don't think that there was very that there is very much that we were intended to do by ourselves. And so, when we isolate ourselves, we're actually making the journey longer, and making the journey more challenging than it needs to be. So one of the things I want to talk to you about is, uh, again, uh, I was just really taken by how how much we seem to have in common. Even when I asked you about jazz and your favorite your favorite musicians, you're talking about Journey. Oh, I mean, Journey is one of my okay, one of my favorites. But then you got Prince. Tell me a little bit about your musical selections and why and 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 the importance of music. Uh, in your life? The importance of music in my life. Oh my goodness. I, that is something that does just integrate me immediately. You know, my, my, my body responds. I hear, I hear the lyrics, I hear the music and I'm immediately moved, whether it be moved sad, moved happy, whatever. And it's kind of funny because it, it actually does have somewhat of a visceral reaction for me. And so um, one of the challenges in my household is some of the current day music is so almost violent and it's hard for me. It's hard for me to sit. So, so, I mean, it truly is something that's really, um, it's a pleasure to listen to music and I want to be able to sit, sit in it. Um, I think it's really a matter of, yeah, does it, does it move me? And so could it be, so a prince moves me in a total different way than, than journey moves me, but it's, it's still and and the artistry, you know, I think artistry is another big, another big piece for me. Even with that, you, you still came with some pretty strong jazz, right? So Nora Jones, Michael Blue but then talk a little bit about Maria Howell. I, I know she's 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 kind of uh, not as widely known. I am not familiar with her, so tell me a little bit about what I need to look into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've always been kind of a deep 
soulful person. So even in my 20s, I was loving jazz. And there was a jazz place called Jonathan's Jazz Cellar here in Charlotte. And it was, you know, it was a three-story building or in the bottom of the jazz. It was, you know, this really cool cool vibe. And she would sing there and she was just amazing. And I also talked about Ed Tom James and, you know, she's like that. I mean, she's got yeah. this just rich, soulful part of her. And what's really, really cool is they've just opened up a new jazz place in Charlotte called Middle C Jazz. And I don't know if your parents are still living or not. Mine are, and they don't need stuff anymore. Right. And so my thing is about giving them experiences. I actually found where Middle Sea Jazz is going to have, you know, several different muse- musicians there. And Maria Howell is going to be singing. And I'm just so excited to be able to take him to enjoy her and just because I mean, again, we're talking, this was in the 90s when I first was introduced to her. So wow. the fact that she's still in the mix and still doing her thing is just, yeah, she was never a breakout artist, but her voice is absolutely gorgeous. And so really? again, it's the soulfulness that really speaks to me. I, I'm sensing a through line, right? I'm sensing a through line where we talked about the importance of having authenticity. Right now, you're talking about the reason why you love some of these singers is because of the soulfulness, the connection to the soul. And then we talked about how it's important to coach the whole person and to, and to bring your whole person to work. I'm sensing a through line of connectedness, wholeness, authenticity. Why do you believe I'm sensing that through line as being important, important to you? You know, I think about where I sit in my experience, in my aging, and there, there's been such growth through the years. And so even though I, I love my 20-year-old self who was tapping into Maria Howell even back then, I think, you know, we've used the word journey. And, and I just think as we journey, we get more clear about the importance of, because to me, soul is the essence of you. You know, it's your, it's your passion. It's your character. It's your beliefs. It's your, it's all of that. And so if we can really better understand, and I kept that in a, a tight box because I was so performance based. And so as I evolve and journey, I get, I'm, I'm, I'm letting that out more and more and I'm growing that more and more. And that's what I do and seek to do for others is really help them get in touch with what is that, you know, latent part of them that they really want to just let go. Um, one of my taglines is rethink what is possible. And I think so many times we you know, we we have in our mind what leadership looks like, or it's kind of the stair stepping up. But if we can take you know the lid off and just let it be, you know, really open. Just think about what's in. So allowing yourself to fill up that space and move into that space. I just, I think that's probably why you're sensing that. Wow, and then, and then I also sense that there is this element of not only tapping into your full self, but claiming it, right? Claiming it and saying. Dadgummit, this is what I do, <laughs> right? This is this is my thing. This is what I do. And, uh, you know, in, in a talk that I give to organizations, I, I talk about the, the nine steps to be becoming the greatest in the world at your thing. And one of the key things that uh, I talk about in that is that you have to be willing to say that I'm really, really good at this thing. And that sounds 
counterintuitive. It sounds like you're being arrogant. You can't say I'm, I'm, I'm better than everybody <laughs> at this thing and, oh, look at me. But there's got to be at least one thing that you say, you know what? I might not be the greatest in the world at this thing, but I could be one of the best three or four people that, that this audience will ever meet. And if I keep that under a bushel, not only am I robbing myself, I, I could be robbing someone else of experiencing this thing. And we've got to get to a point where we claim that thing and be willing to, to stand on it. And that doesn't mean that we're not, we can't improve, we can't get better. But dadgummit, this is my thing. We've got to be willing to say that. It's it, what, what makes you uniquely you and allowing that to shine through. And I, you are, you're the quote guy. So hopefully you'll do, you'll, you'll remember this. You'll be able to quote it better than I, but it's Marion Williamson. And she says, you know, basically by giving yourself, allowing your light to shine, you give permission for others to do the same. And I think that is that when I first saw that, and it's probably been 20 years ago since I saw it, but when I first saw that, I was like, wow, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. Cause so many times we don't want to be boastful. We don't want to, you know, whatever. And yet you were given this gift. You were given this ability. So let it shine, you know, really allow it to manifest. Well, hey, hey, man, I have not been paying attention to the clock. We have gone way too much. We've given way too much for free. This is way too much good stuff for free. Uh, I am not willing to share a whole lot more for free. Uh, because I got to bring you into the VIP room because my VIPs would absolutely love you uh, because I, I really would love for you to talk a little bit about, you know, we, we talked about bringing your full self and there's always this uh, leery, this scary area of bringing spir you know, spirituality into situations that might not be open to spirituality. Uh, but I know that that's a big part of the ingredients that make you who you are. And so I'm curious as to how you encourage clients to, and we're not talking about religion, but how do you encourage people to tap into that part of their being that is not physical? How do you encourage people to tap into that part of their being that's not mental? There's an essence there if we don't tap into, we're leaving a good part of ourselves at home. Uh, and so I, I, I really want you to, I really hope you can get into that when we get on the other side of, of the velvet rope. Uh, but for now, uh, share with everyone, how can people get a hold of you if they want to get more of your calm insights and coaching? If they want to get more of you, how can they get a hold of you? What last words would you want to leave to the folks on this side of the, of the rope? Mm. Uh, so my website is my name tambryharris.com. So you can look, learn a little bit more about me that way. And then I'm on LinkedIn. So you can also learn a little more about me. And then if you want to just email me, it's tambryharris at bellsouth.net. And I guess the thing I would maybe leave is what, what's holding you back? What's holding you back um, from taking that courageous step to move into that, that full leader that you're meant to be, that, that, that authentic, inspiring leader that you're meant to be, what's holding you back. And maybe, maybe that's something to explore. Well, there you have it. 
guys, these are the folks I get to hang out with. These are the colleagues that I get to hang out with and and uh, borrow from their brilliance. This is one of the reasons why I love what I do. Not only do I have brilliant clients, uh, but I have brilliant colleagues. I love this space. So uh, thank you so much, Tambri, for showing up fully. Thank you for being in the space that you're in. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your insight, your wisdom, and your warmth uh, with my listeners. I, I, I just know that uh, we've got folks out there with pages upon pages of notes. So thank you for that. Oh, it's been an honor. Thank you so much. So ra raise your screwball whiskey. All right. There you go. Until we get to hang out again. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.